Hello and welcome to All of the Above. I'm James Brown. Thanks for joining me. You can check out my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com and just about anywhere online at James Brown TV. Help me grow the program by liking, sharing, and subscribing. One of the things I love to do on this show is talk to people who do unique things for a living, like Lauren Carroll. Lauren Carroll, welcome to the program. Hello, thank you for having me. In your hundreds and hundreds of funerals that, that you presided is is, a, is the wrong term, but you've been involved with. Mm-hmm. Directed. <laughs> Directed. I, I'm wondering if you have gathered a sense of why people don't talk about these events. Is it simply fear? Is it, uh, you know, I, which is what I would presume. Yeah, I think we think it's fear, but really it's grief. People are really afraid of being sad. (laughs) And for me, I've never really been afraid of the dying process. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that um, because we don't know what it is. We don't remember. I felt the same kind of nervousness right before I had my first kid of like, how am I going to do this? What's it going to be like? But I volunteered in hospice, and that's one thing that we we tell all of our students do, to do is volunteer in hospice and be with people when they die, because that's really going to take the fear aspect of what dying is like. Um, and for a long time, I mean, for very, very hundreds of years, people did die in their home. It was their family that were taking care of them at the end of their life. So they saw it, you know, but now... People are dying in nursing homes and assisted living or hospitals. Um, And hospital deaths, unfortunately, normally feel traumatic. Even if the person has been sick for a while, there's still machines. There's still in and outs. There's still, you know, code blues down the hall. Um, And that can be scary feeling. That doesn't feel good. When you ask somebody, how do you want to die? It's typically, oh, I want to die at home in my sleep, right? But that's not the kind of deaths that we've had here in America for a very, very long time. And so people don't even really know what it's what it's like. And so that factor scares them. Um, Whereas in other countries, they aren't as afraid because they do have a more active role in the dying process. And if you have the privilege of being with somebody when they're dying, you know, at home on hospice care, and you understand the different stages of the dying process, just like there's different stages when you're in labor and having a baby, there are different stages in the dying process. And so you can see those and you can understand, okay, mom has three days left. She's at this point in the dying process. And I can, I've seen a lot of families have a lot of peace around that, of being able to see it. And that takes that fear part away but it doesn't take the grief part away. And I think a lot of people have a really hard time with being sad and knowing how to process that. And so therefore they don't even want to talk about death at all because death is sad to them versus death is a part of life and a process and and something to be celebrated. And that'll actually, as strange as it sounds, when we accept death and when we talk about it, it's going to help that grief part tremendously because you've kind of unknowns to you you're doing kind of grief work before the death has taken place 
because you're already kind of thinking about it and planning it. Even for my own self, I planned my funeral when I first started working at a funeral home when I was 19. And I know. And it's not, to me, it's not morbid at all. To me, it's like, all right, this is my ultimate party. It better be good. I'm going to get it all on paper because it's guaranteed. It's not like something that, oh, maybe I'll have a wedding someday. Let me make my big book of all my wedding plans, which so many people do, right? But not very many people say, ooh, I want to plan my funeral. Ooh, I want this casket and these flowers, even though we know it's going to happen, right? What do you want your funeral to be like? <laughs> uh, I love answering this. So I want I want a natural burial, which means I will be in a natural burial preserve. Um, so that's going to be protected land. And the burial happens typically at three feet where the body can decompose at a natural rate versus at six feet, which we is our typical burial at cemeteries. Um, I always say if you've been six feet in the ground, it is cold down there. It's like a root cellar. So it actually is going to slow down the natural process because it's keeping the body really cold down there. And there's no worms or living things to help with that process. I really want to return to the earth. I want my body to give back and to become flowers and to become trees again. So that has always been something really important to me, even since I was a teenager. Um, A few things have changed, but I do want everybody to wear like nice clothes. And I say nice clothes. I don't want people to wear black. You know, I would love to see people wear a floor length red dress or the most colorful outfits that, you know, remind you of me. Um, I'm going to have a margarita fountain. That is a must. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dancing to all my favorite songs. Safety Dance by Men in Hats. I've I've said that that is going to be the song that people follow my shrouded body to with streamers and I want them to celebrate and sing it. Um, So yeah, that's, that's pretty much my funeral that I've had planned in my head for the last... 30 or 20 years. (laughs) Your description reminds me a bit of a, uh, you may have heard of Edward Abbey's burial. Uh Uh-uh. Tell me. He was this, he was this writer who who wrote about the West. I believe he's from uh, your part of the world. I believe. Um, His friend rolled him up in a sleeping bag, Mm -hmm. uh, chilled him with dry eyes. Yep. And hauled him out to the desert. And I believe the line, and I'm going to butcher it because I don't remember it word for word. The phrase was, if he could be the, you know, the, uh, the, the food for a, a juniper tree or, or, mm-hmm. or, or for, or for birds, you know, that's, that's uh, uh, that's uh, that's a great way to go, essentially. Right. I mean, so. we're not taking our body with us. Why not give it back? Why not use your body for good? And that is my biggest, and this is why I do the education, is that people think fire cremation and burial with embalming and a metal casket and a concrete vault 
are the only way to go because those are really the American ways of death. But those, both of those options completely separate the human body from returning to the earth. And they're both not environmentally friendly in any way. And so we do have a lot of environmentally friendly options out there. Um, green and natural burial, of course, that I just mentioned. And most people don't realize that their city cemetery may already offer green burials. If there's a Jewish section at that cemetery, they offer green burials because that is part of their religion, that there's no embalming, that they're buried in a pine casket with no metal at all, and there's no vault and they go directly into the ground. And I think that's the way it should be. But what most people don't do is educate themselves and talk about it beforehand. And they go to the funeral home and the funeral home sells them the very expensive, you know, steel, steel casket and the concrete vault. And if people would take the time to go to their cemetery and ask them questions, our city cemetery doesn't require a vault. Our city cemetery doesn't even require a casket. That's why we do these shrouded burials here in town. Um, but families usually don't go to the cemetery first. They go to the funeral home. So they buy all these things. But at the end of the day, all you're doing with all of these items, again, is taking the body away from the earth. You are literally encasing it in concrete or you're burning it to ashes. And those ashes after a cremation are not going to grow a tree or a rose bush or anything like that. Did your interest in these alternative methods, were they stemmed by your work in the traditional funeral home industry? Or did did you have interest in these things before? Like, how did you get interested in this kind of, uh, whether it's water cre cremation or natural burials, home funerals, were these things, how, how, what's, what sprung this sort of departure from the main lane of funerals? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And it actually started when I was quite young still. Um, when I, The first funeral home I worked at was in my hometown in Southern California. And I was doing death certificates, really. That was it. And then um, we got a call that a baby had died at the hospital and nobody else was at the funeral home. So they asked if I could go do it. And I was absolutely terrified my a fun fact about me is before I turned 18, I was terrified of death. Like most people, I wouldn't not go into cemeteries. We visited a family grave out in some small town in Iowa. And I remember my parents being so mad because I wouldn't get out of the car. And I was like, no, I don't want to walk in the cemetery. And then now I've walked in cemeteries thousands <laughs> of times. Um, but it was the moment of me having to go to this hospital and pick up this baby. He was full term and bring him back to the funeral home and just the immense love that I could feel coming from this little boy. And I know that sounds, it's hard to explain, but it wasn't, it was the love that his parents had put into him, right? They had all these dreams for him. He had been in the mom's belly all this time and, you know, he was just loved. And I realized it was such an honor for me to be caring for him. But right then and there, I questioned, well, why can't they do it? 
They love him. This is their baby. Why can't they take care of him? And so I, I researched it and I realized, you know, okay, I don't really see why they can't, but I didn't know that it was an option either until I was working that corporate funeral home job and I turned on PBS and there is a film called A Family Undertaking. And it's a documentary that follows families who are doing home funerals. And um, it interviews, you know, home funeral guides who help families do these home funerals. And I'm this funeral director going, finally, this, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I want. I was seeing how these families were able to lovingly bathe their person one more time, to dress them. All the things that had been put into my care, who, you know, I'm a total stranger. I don't know this person. I'm trying to do my job tenderly and lovingly, but I don't know them, you know, to see the families do that and to see that love being poured onto the person. I was like, that's it. That's it. This is the game changing moment in my life. I want every family to do this. Now, of course, I was being a little uh, naive, <laughs> thinking that all of a sudden I could tell everybody that they can do family-led death care, that they don't need funeral homes at all. Um, in a society where death has been taken out of our homes for so long, it felt, for most people, very foreign and very scary. All the things that I thought I would magically get to take away when I told them about home funerals, like, yay, guys, you can do it. Um, but then there are more and more and more families as they learn about this go, yeah, that's, I was the first person to, you know, give them a bath. I want to be the last person to give them a bath. Home funerals, the modern day home funerals really kind of were restarted by, um, some moms whose children had died and they didn't want to have a stranger taking their baby away. And so they realized that this had always been their right to keep them at home and spend as much time as they needed to, to dress them, to care for them, um, and then do, you know, the burial or water cremation or whatever the family chooses. So, yeah, does that answer it? I kind of <laughs> went off on a tangent there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, it's quite okay. I, I, once again, I, I have a couple questions about it. I mean, you, you said you were quite young. How old were you? 19. <laughs> yeah. And you you said you were afraid of death before you were 18. Mm -hmm. Is that what flipped it? That experience? Or were, was there another one that did? No, that was 100% it. I always, I'm very grateful to that little baby. He, <laughs> he didn't really know what he did for me um, because it turned that fear to love, right? I wasn't, he wasn't scary. He was this very loved baby. And then I realized death isn't scary at all. Death is just the ending, but that love continues. And that was really important to me to really understand. And I think a lot of people, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I think a lot of people aren't afraid of death as they are of grief and their own grief. And it started for me when I was 13 and my uncle was killed in a car accident. 
And, you know, that came out of nowhere. And I didn't know how to process my grief as a 13-year-old. And so I think that's what happened is I turned my grief into hate and fear towards death because that's what took the person I loved away. When in reality, now I know that, yeah, this is a part of life. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. And the only thing that we can do is live every single day, love every single day, and then don't be afraid because you don't, what are you going to be afraid of? It's going to happen. The end will happen. The things that you should be afraid of are missing out on everything in life every single day versus being afraid of what will come at some point. And so that's really what I took away is just that, that loving aspect to death and that the fear isn't death itself, but the loss of somebody. Well, my condolences. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I know what it's like to lose family. It's it's quite tough. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, I guess this is a, both a comment and a question. You seem quite idealistic, and I think you kind of have to in order to, to start the business that you did after this experience. How common is your perspective among people in the industry? You know, people who are in that corporate space. Are, when when are they having similar trains of thought and they're just not creating a business no. uh, around it? <laughs> I would say our conventional funeral homes right now do not lean towards my mindset. Um, how I feel strongly is that death should be family led. It should be community led. The family should have every right to be there at the end of life. And the family should have every right to step into that space. So of course, funeral homes aren't going to be all about that <laughs> because it cuts them out of the picture. Right. Um, and so there are a lot of funeral homes that are holding on tight to those old traditions. And they speak very loudly about green options and home funerals and how you know, it could traumatize the family to be around a dead body. I have never once had a family have a home funeral and say that was terrifying. Oh my gosh. I had every single family say how grateful they were and how beautiful it is. Um, just recently, I did a home funeral for a 21-year-old and he was killed in a car accident. Completely unexpected, of course. And you know, they wanted to do a viewing. They called a funeral home and the funeral home said it would be, you know, $1,050 to see him and that, that he would have to be embalmed and he would have to have all this work done to him. And that would be an extra amount of money. Um, and they said, well, you know, they knew me. They were like, well, I don't think that embalming's required. And they responded saying, Oh, it is. It's not safe for him to be around or for you to be around him if he's not embalmed, which is what a lot of funeral homes still say to this day, which is not true. Um, and then she went so far to say because he had an autopsy, his guts could fall out. And this is a funeral hmm. home saying that to him, you know, somebody who just lost a 21 year old. Wow. And so they called me and I said, we can have a home funeral. And they're like, you can? And I said, eh, yes. And so we did. And they thought they would just view him for a few hours at the home because that's nobody wants to say yes to a home funeral. 
because nobody wants to be having a funeral in the first place, right? You know, this was not something that they were planning. And so the idea of bringing their dead son into the house wasn't something that was, you know, automatically a big yes from everybody. Um, But as soon as we did bring him there, they ended up keeping him at home for two days and his girlfriend slept next to him. Um, On that last day, his best friends, all these, you know, 21 year old young men carried his body down the stairs and into the van that the family drove to the water crematory. Um, But what moved me most about all of that is these 21 year old men, right? I don't know if you remember being 21, but I do. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. when really shitty things happen, then I didn't go out to my friends. I like drank a bottle of wine and cried. And these 21 year old men had the opportunity to see their friend for two days cry together, be in community of people who loved him and cry over him and say, I miss you. I love you. This sucks. So they carried his body down the stairs into the van. And at the end, this guy came up to me. He said, when they first told me they were doing this, I was, I thought it was gross. Honestly, I thought this would be so weird. He's like, and now I don't want to let him go, you know? And that's what you get with a home funeral that you don't get in a funeral home. And so it's, that's why I do what I do. (laughs) That's why I do this education. And that's why I want funeral homes to see the beauty in it. I want them to see, because at the end of the day, a funeral home is supposed to be supporting families and the community members, right? But I feel like over and over again, when they're clinging on to these, you know, what the conventional ways are, they're missing out on really serving families and really helping them in their grief and in what we need at that time. Um, And so, yeah, I'll keep talking to those funeral homes as much as I can (laughs) until my face turns red because I'm not doing it, you know, to destroy businesses. I think that if funeral homes could kind of switch gears and really focus again on on those families and their needs and maybe giving them more space and time um then death care would just totally change in america um but i don't see that happening yet (laughs) i see this becoming more of a grassroots movement um and really local community led. So your local death doula or your local home funeral guide, not really anybody in the industry so much. And I take it that's why you and your partner, business partner, uh, Aaron Morelli started Death Wives. You wanted to create that sort of grassroots movement. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Because, like I said, I watched this documentary and it changed my life. I was a funeral director who had no idea that this was an option and how beautiful it was. Um, So if I didn't know this, I knew that most people didn't know this. And I started off just teaching little workshops in libraries. Um, And then I met Erin during that time and she's like, let's teach more people. So we started teaching little classes in Denver and Colorado Springs and then when COVID happened, you know, everything stopped and we went online to Zoom. 
And that's when we really started making an impact because we had people all over the United States now learning and taking our courses and bringing that information into their families and into their communities. And it's been amazing when students, you know, message us and say, I did the most beautiful home funeral, you know, for this family. And, oh, it was everything that you said it was. And, and knowing that once that family goes through a home funeral, they're going to tell people about it. The family that I just worked with, their 21-year-old son died. That's the worst thing that you can think about. But their experience of having him at home changed them forever. And they're going to keep telling people. It's like having, for me, I had a home birth and a hospital birth. And that's kind of what I use to compare it sometimes. In the hospital, it wasn't my home. I didn't feel comfortable there. I felt like I was on stage (laughs) in a way. And the nurses are coming in and I don't know where my baby is. And then when I had my, my second child at home, I was in my bed. My family was there. I was eating my favorite foods. You know, my baby was on me the whole time. And that's kind of what a home funeral is compared to the conventional funeral. You have that time. You're in your own home. You're not on display for everyone to come up to and say, I'm so sorry for your loss. You get to be in a comfortable space to really grieve and sit with that person and sit in that space of love too, which you don't have the same opportunity to do in our, our funeral industry right now. How many people have you guys taught? Oh, I wish I knew the exact number. Cause that would be fun. Um, I'm going to say, hundreds? Oh yeah, definitely more than hundreds. I'm look. I'm thinking about one course alone. We've taught over 400 students. So wow. Oh yeah, um, I'm gonna say Tens like fifteen hundred to two thousand. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, are these people in your business and trying to, or at least the funeral home business, and trying to branch out, or are they just people who are curious? Yeah, it's a it's a good mixture. There are some really amazing you know, green funeral homes out there that are starting to pop up, which is awesome. You know, those are the ones who offer the water cremation and the natural burial. And we haven't talked about human composting yet. We would need a whole other hour for that (laughs) conversation, which I would be more than happy to come back and talk about. Um, But for the most part, I've had maybe 10 funeral directors of all those students. Most of them are people who like early me have had some trauma around death and dying and want to kind of explore the other options to try and heal that trauma that they went through. And so, and that's, that can be hard sometimes because people learn about all these options that they had and they wish, you know, they could go back in time and do it that way for their loved one. But I always try and empower them and say, Well, now you can show someone else how to do it so that they don't go through what you went through. So we have a lot of people who come to us because they have this fear or this taboo idea of what death is. And then we have the other half who are passionate to change the way we do death. And those are usually people who are, um, we have a lot of hospice nurses who are, you know, in the face of death every single day, 
but it's a very medical field. So they don't get to do the person time. They don't get to sit and ask them what their legacy is. What is your life story? Which is what death doulas can do. They can be with the person. And so a lot of uh, medical professionals come and take our courses. And then just a lot of humans, (laughs) people who want to do this for other people because they know how important it is. And I'll take you up on that offer to bring you you back to discuss human composting. (laughs) I I also have a number of questions about things like uh, the one term I saw on your website was natural organic reduction. Yep. I, 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 and that was, that seemed like an interesting idea. I don't, I I don't know much about it, but, and I, I, I'd love for you to uh, inform me on it another time. Yes. Well, you know, the green and earth friendly um, aspects are very, very important to me. Again, I don't need this body anymore. Like, let it do some good at least, right? And so that's what natural organic reduction does is it's it's human composting. It breaks the body down just like it naturally would, but in a quicker um, way by adding wood chips and alfalfa and straw and then small amounts of water and oxygen. And our body naturally knows how to decompose. Nobody needs to be there to watch it happen. Um, but the heat of our own body helps our body break down. And at the end of some processes take 30 to 60 days, some take a few months, but at the end you get this most beautiful, rich compost and you become the earth again. And it is probably one of the most beautiful and moving things to watch these, these ceremonies. One of our very first ones we did here in Colorado, um, the family donated the the earth to one of the natural burial preserves that we have here. And they had a what's called a laying out ceremony, where instead of doing a traditional burial, they're laying their loved one out, you know, under shrubs and trees. And when they first um, unloaded all the the soil, the dad just kept picking it up and scooping it up and hugging it to his chest and the soil would just fall down and he would pick it up and hug it again. And that's the thing with, with all of these options is that they keep loving you no matter what form you are, whether you're physically there or you have now transformed into soil or you're not there, you don't stop being loved. And so, um, yeah, it was a really beautiful aha moment for me too of as that conventional funeral director in my head is like how are we going to have a funeral with you know soil with earth (laughs) and it was beautiful because love is love and one of the funeral uh home owners he said it perfectly that it's just a longer goodbye doing this human composting the family knows what the process is they know that it's going to take a while and they know that a transformation is taking place. And then when that's done, they have that whole period of time to really say goodbye. And then they're returned to the earth. And it's, you know, I could come back to talk about water cremation too, because it, your body can live on, it can nourish, or it can be burned, or it can sit in concrete. To me, it, it feels like an easy, easy pick. But most people don't know about these other choices that they have to choose from. 
On that note, Lauren Carroll, any famous last words? <laughs> uh, let's see. Life is a cabaret. <laughs> what good is sitting alone in your room? I I just like to say that, you know, I love life so much because I respect death and I understand it. And I hope that everybody can walk away with that of just understanding and respecting death and knowing that it will be the final chapter for all of us hopefully gives everyone courage to really live until that time comes lauren carroll thank you for joining me thank you for having me thanks for listening to all of the above let me know what you think wherever you're listening and do me a favor share it with a friend you can follow my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com. Paid subscribers get access to bonuses, including 10 the Hard Way, our members-only show. You can reach me at james at rochesteraccent.com or jamesbrowntv at gmail.com. You can also leave me a message at 585-484-0339. We might have you on the show. I'm James Brown, and as always, be well.